Hi, this is Chris Castle, and you're listening to Your Morning Coffee, the podcast with Jay Gilbert and Mike Etchert. Weekly music news for the new music business. From the Los Angeles Times, he was a celebrated singer-songwriter with famous fans. Then, he started posting about the vaccine. From Rolling Stone, the Delta variant spreads. Artists and venues scramble to keep concerts safe. From Garrett Levin, CEO of the Digital Media Association, also known as DEMA, how we discover music in 2021. From Amber Horsburgh and Dan Runcie, Tyler, the creators, call me if you get lost campaign teardown. And from Rolling Stone, Spotify needs to fix its stalling user growth. You betcha. We've got this. Ton more stuff. This is the Your Morning Coffee podcast. Stand by for transmission. This is London Coffee. Wake up! The revolution is at hand! Your Morning Coffee is on the air. Your Morning Coffee, the weekly music news for the new music business. It's the highly curated, agitated, advocated, moderated, and liberated digital music information that you need to know. We are your digital music authority. And now, from our studios in Hollywood, California, here's your hosts, Jay Gilbert and Mike Etchart. Well, top of the morning, Jay. Good, Good to see you. Good morning, we Mike. Start, my goodness, we are starting, can you believe it, our year number two of the podcast. Yeah. So exciting. And we had fun uh, for hopefully folks that are listening got a chance to listen to our little special edition with Nancy Wilson. Yeah. I got a lot of great feedback uh, from that. Um, that was such a great conversation. And uh, one person wrote about how... Uh, how prepared we were and i sent a note back it wasn't hard to prepare because we're both fans we both grew up on heart forever exactly so it wasn't necessarily a ton of work it was really more passion involved in that <laughs> that's right we uh we had it so you know it's always fun too when you know we've of course both of us have worked with so many artists over the years and the old line, which which you have heard, of course, is sometimes you never want to meet your eyes because yeah. you're disappointed, and I, that is that is more true than it's not probably. Yeah. But it's always fun when you when you get a chance to meet and chat with someone who you've been a fan of for a long time, <laughs> and you find that you that, that in fact they are just like you at home. Oh my gosh, better and actually. She, she is that we're better. You know, yeah, I had met her that. a couple of times before, just briefly. It shows. Hi, how are you? Mm -hmm. That sort of thing. But this was an in depth conversation about a lot of important topics and. I had a friend of mine tell me one time that you really haven't worked in the music industry until you've been yelled at by one of your favorite artists. <laughs> <laughs> I worked with a guy uh, when I was at Capitol, and he started as a regional sales guy, I think. And, you know, Steve Miller has a notorious reputation. He, he has hated his label forever. And this guy had just started his gig, and he went to a concert, some shed somewhere in the middle of, of California in the state, and and he went backstage, and you know he's he's kind of shy, and he's like, hey, "Hello, Mr. Miller. I just want to introduce myself. I'm so and so." And and Steve Miller grabbed him by the throat and threw him up against the wall, and and because he said, "I'm and I'm from Capitol Records," and and he threw him back against the wall, and he said, "I hate." blah 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 capital records <laughs> welcome to the music business. wow <laughs> yeah that's crazy so, i've never been yelled yeah, that, at but i've had some heated respectful exchanges with uh, a few artists over the years mm -hmm. um but you know mm -hmm. if you're around long enough that stuff's gonna happen 
Yes, it is. By the way, the man that I get to chat with every week is none other than Jay Gilbert. He is the curator of the Your Morning Coffee newsletter, which you better know by now is weekly music news for the new music business, as is our podcast. He's also a former executive with Universal Music, Sony Music, Warner Music, and Fox Home Entertainment, and he is looking forward to the football season yes, because hope springs eternal for his Minnesota Vikings. <sighs> That's true. And uh, Mike here is longtime host of Sound and Vision Radio, formerly of SST Records, Warner Music, Capital EMI, and Universal Music. Are you a football fan? Yeah, I'm a Rams fan. Yeah, yeah I watched I'm, the Rams I'm, play last night. Yeah, and? Um, well, you know, it's oh, preseason, it really and they're yeah, playing all the rookies. Now, without going too deep down that rabbit hole, I will say I'm one of the few people that like preseason because I like seeing those second and third teamers uh, try to get a spot. And sure, it's yeah. a lot of fun, but you can't take these things too seriously and think, oh my gosh, we lost that preseason game, so that's the end of our no, season. No, 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 no. Yeah. Nobody cares about that, exactly. No. Hey, Jay, you know, we are so fortunate to have sponsors that help us put this show on every week. We have a new sponsor. Last week was the first week we started talking about them, TiVo Music Metadata. We, of course, are sponsored by TiVo Music Metadata, dedicated to bringing order to the chaos of digital music. Mm -hmm. TiVo Music Metadata offers obsessively deduplicated artist album and song IDs. Expert written editorial content and ratings, verified images, weighted deep descriptors, similar artists, band members, and influences, authoritative credits, personalization, discovery, and search APIs, purpose-built solutions for classical music, and a global connected car platform linking broadcast radio with streaming. If you want to learn more, go to TiVo.com slash music. Super valuable back-end yeah. stuff. We'll be talking more about them in the coming crucial. weeks. And your Morning Coffee podcast is also brought to you by our friends at Banzoogle, built by musicians for musicians. Banzoogle is an all-in-one platform that makes it easy to build a beautiful website and EPK for your music. All the features you need for a professional website are already built in. Hosting and a custom domain name, dozens of fully customizable design templates, tools to help you sell your music and merch commission-free, commission-free crowdfunding and fan subscription features, mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send newsletters, social media integrations, and live support from their musician-friendly team seven days a week. Your Morning Coffee podcast listeners can go to bandzoogle.com, try it for free for 30 days. Just use the promo code MORNINGCOFFEE, all one word, and you'll get 15% off your first year of any subscription. That's bandzoogle.com, promo code MORNINGCOFFEE. And we are also sponsored by HypeBot. Since 2004, HypeBot has chronicled the new music industry and the trends and technologies that are changing how music is discovered, consumed, marketed, and monetized. It is edited daily by our buddy founder Bruce Houghton with help from Owen Davis. HypeBot and sister uh, blog Music Think Tank are published by live music discovery and marketing platform Bands in Town. And you bet, Bands in Town, over 55 million live music fans trust Bands in Town to get personalized concert alerts, recommendations, and messages from their favorite artists. It is the number one artist service platform, connecting over 530,000 artists with their super fans. Mm -hmm. Managers, labels, agencies, and artists access their own dashboard to manage and promote their tour dates across all platforms. Man, thanks. TiVo Music Data, excuse me, TiVo Music Metadata, Bandzoogle, yeah. Hypebot, Bands in Town. Thank you. We are lucky dudes. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Lucky dudes to get a chance to work with these folks. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, I wanted to touch just exciting. really quickly before we get going. Um, as you know, I, I do another podcast, uh, one with mm -hmm. Michael Brandvold called Music Biz Weekly. I'm the new guy, and I've been doing it for seven years there. <laughs> Mike. Uh, I guess you're getting the hang of it. Yeah, yeah Mike Brandle's like a pioneer in the space. He's been doing it longer than most. Anyway, um, I wanted to just uh, point out, we had a couple of amazing guests in the last uh, week or two. Um, mm -hmm. Some of these weeks, we've been doing actually two a week, but typically it's one. Um, we just recorded an episode uh, with John Frank, who's the EVP of Commerce at ADA, and we had a really great conversation, so I encourage people to check that out. Um, and then a couple of days ago, we talked to a gentleman named Nick Chanfioni, um, who is the CEO of Artist Republic, which is a really cool uh, platform uh, for indie musicians. And there was a piece on Medium that was written by Jason Hartman, and he interviewed uh, Nick, which was great. But at the end, he asked him for like kind of three little nuggets right? Mm -hmm. And I want to read those three because they're so true. 
and they bear repeating. So um, this is from Nick uh, Chanfioni from Artist Republic. Uh, number one, build value and the money will come. You don't know how many times I've said that. You know, if you chase the dollars, you know, he goes on, you know, he said, I heard this early and never understood it. But when I started chasing money instead of value and failed, I realized what it meant. Yeah. Number two, no days off. This is a simple one. And a lot of people joke about it on social media, but you got to mean it and do it. Uh, no days off. And then the third one, hard work always beats talent. <laughs> I've seen this in practice uh, in the music industry all my career. Yeah. You know, it's not just um, how talented you are or how educated you are. You get ahead in the music industry. Uh, it's, you know, the harder I work, the luckier I get kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I just thought those were a few little... Uh, Great, Cookie. great lines. Not only, yeah, yeah. not only uh, to the music business, but you know, and but speaking, what I wanted to say before we jump into our first story too, which you reminded me of, is you know, this is obviously we talk about in quotation marks the new music business, and one of the things that we don't really talk about is how amazing it is to get to get a chance to to hear and interface with big brained people like like these yes. folks that you guys interview, and so there's again, there's so many wonderful um, opportunities to hear people talk about how they do what they do, you know, aside from all the charts and mm -hmm. this, that, and the other thing, but you get a chance to hear from other executives, other people that are in the trenches with you. And oh, yeah. it's, it's, it's I think an amazing that's a, time. I think it's a really good point. And you're right. It is an amazing time. And I, I work pretty closely with uh, a several colleges with their music business programs. And mm -hmm. I love it. And one of the things that I tell the students is, you can reach out to these people. Find somebody who's doing what you want to do. If you want to be an engineer, a producer, you want to be a yeah. tour agent, whatever it is, find somebody online that does what you want to do. Reach yeah. out to them. And my, my uh, old boss and mentor, Bob Schneiders, used to say, everybody wants to give you advice. Nobody wants to give you a job. So That's right. <laughs> don't reach out and say, you know, I want a job. Yeah, don't say, do hey, can yeah. I, can I get, get your advice on this? And so many students have come back to me and said that they have spoken to these high level people and got really great advice just because they said, hey, can I have a, a few minutes of your time and just get some guidance from you? I'm a college student. And so the other, the last thing I'll say on that is that uh, Garrett, Garrett Levin, who's the CEO of DEMA, the Digital Media Association, you and I are going to talk about a story about him today, but he came on the Music Biz Weekly podcast mm -hmm. and I had a really nice interview with him. So sometimes it's as simple as just reaching out and saying, hey, I respect what you do. I'd like to talk to you about it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's jump into the to the articles we're going to talk oh, about boy. today, Jay. And I'm, and I'm going to... Yeah. The oh, first man. one... I it, I know. It just... Bum me out. I know. It, it totally bummed me out. This is in the Los Angeles Times yeah. from Randall Roberts. And, you know, we started actually just a few minutes ago talking about sometimes, you know, they say you never want to meet your idols. And in this case, you never want to know too much about your sometimes, idols. Sometimes, um, yeah. Yeah, so the, the title of this is, he was a celebrated singer-songwriter with famous fans. Then he started posting about the vaccine. So the hymn is Joseph Arthur, singer-songwriter. Yeah. And I, you know, as I mentioned to you before we, we started recording, um, I'm a fan of Joseph Arthur. And I don't like everything he does, but the things that he does that I like, I absolutely love. He's got a cool voice. He's got this really oh, yeah. cool way of writing lyrics. I love singer-songwriters in general. And um, I was kind of bummed when I saw this, not so much about the, the politics of it, but really more that you have to be careful about what you say, because we live in a society now, we live in, we live in a very polarized uh, nation, and if you're going to say something, you better have some facts to back it up, um, because people can research things online and it's it's tragic to me that there's been so much damage done and uh you know it should be about the music but i do think that artists have the responsibility to speak up on what they believe in i'm not against mm -hmm. that in fact some of the people that he works with people in rem you know for example they've had a career of speaking out against injustice or things that they believe in so i'm not saying that you shouldn't do that but you need to have your facts straight. Absolutely. So basically what he did 
is he's got he's recorded a new protest song. As they say, it's unlike anything he's done in his 25-year career. He's calling the song Stop the Shot, and it opens with him repeatedly singing, We Will Overcome, before adding what those fools have done. And of course, it's an anti-vaccination song, but what has happened in the interim is that all of the people in his sort of in his his people his supporters basically are running away he said but because being the relentless voices of what he considers a disaffected minority has cost him this year his longtime music manager dropped him as a client followed by his booking agent uh, his his newly formed band quit en masse and he says he lost a record deal that would have distributed a new double album to his fans yeah um ouch yeah ouch 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 yeah and it, it, what makes it worse is that he's posting on socials and discounting not only vaccinations but just uh the pandemic in general you know uh, last year he and his girlfriend both contracted covid and he said you know he kind of dismissed it you know it's like a three-day bad flu well there's also hundreds of thousands of people who have died from that three-day bad sure. clue millions worldwide and yeah. uh there are people that are immunocompromised and they're elderly and people who are fragile and we could go on and on. It's not as simple as just you getting the sniffles because some people get it and don't know they even have it. And then there's some people who get it and in a few days they're gone. So it's, it's this crazy, crazy thing. And I just think that it's reckless to promote ideas that have been, you know, scientifically, uh, disproven and it talks about it in this article you know it says in truth the COVID-19 vaccines have proven to be remarkably effective against the virus including the more communicable Delta variant that has overtaken the country as of July 19th unvaccinated people here in LA County accounted for 99.8 percent of the COVID-19 deaths Think about that for a second. Between yeah. December 7th and June 7th, 99.6% of the region's coronavirus cases, 98.7% of COVID-19 hospitalizations, and 99.8% of deaths were among unvaccinated people in LA County. Um, I mean, I think the science speaks for itself. Yeah, and as it mentions, it said, by going public with his anti-vaccination position, Arthur has aligned himself with a small group of like-minded musicians, including Eric Clapton, mm -hmm. MIA, and Van Morrison. Morrison. Last week, the Offsprings drummer uh, Pete Parada announced via Twitter he'd been kicked out of the band for being unwilling to get inoculated. And, ah, boy, you know, it's, it is, and what, what I found particularly um egregious you know it's one thing to be anti-vaccination but as as they mention in this that um arthur who's tall and yoga lean and wears his brown hair long aligned the pro and anti-vaccination camps with nazis and jews on a video on his facebook right page. think about that for a second yeah it's like dude you know it's 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 just and again this is this is an artist who i have as I mentioned, you know, there's certain songs that I just, I mean, I will play them over and over and over again because I just love the way in those, he had a couple of early albums in the 90s on uh, Peter Gabriel's label, Real, Real World. Real World, yeah. And those records I love. They, they you know, they're beautifully recorded and produced albums, great songs. And, you know, can you get, can I go back to those songs anymore? I don't, I don't know, you know, it's, it's, his biggest song is called In the Sun. And it's got a the, the refrain of the song is "May God's love be with you." It's a beautiful song, and it's been covered by Michael Stipe and uh, Coldplay's Chris Martin for a benefit collection. It's the guy's a great songwriter, and it's like, but it's you know when I first started reading during the pandemic about Van Morrison's kind of shenanigans and public statements, um, you know he's I was going to go see him in Santa Barbara, mm -hmm. and I'm not buying tickets, you know, so I don't know if if how how much you know like you know uh joseph arthur is 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 not eric clapton or van morris right so clearly he he is going to be dramatically hurt well yeah by, by leaving losing his manager losing his yes. agent his booking, booking agent, agent losing yes. his band i mean mm -hmm. eric clapton didn't have that uh, level of fallout you know uh joseph arthur posted you know first of many posts against the government masking mandates early in the pandemic you know who's in control here he said you know are we part of a social experiment um you know 
So six weeks later, he went even further, writing, quote, Dr. Anthony Fauci should go to prison, not just be fired. I'd bet that's where this is going, end quote. So he, you know, sometimes when you go at something, you go at it tentatively. He didn't do that. He went full speed into that wall. Yeah, boy, it's just a bummer. But again, it's just at least for me personally, I'm like, man, this is somebody whose music I just adored. And... Yeah, I can't. I yeah. can't go back and listen to his stuff. Well, it's, there, there was somebody um, with the um, the line "Festival Freak." They were, they were called Festival Freak, and they posted, "quote Don't get vaccinated if you don't want to, but please stop spreading misinformation." Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Ugh. Well, we're going to be talking a little bit more about. And we we haven't <laughs> talked a lot COVID-19. about you know the pandemic and and all of that uh, through this. And this week we have a couple of stories, you know, like the next one, you know, from Rolling Stone, the headline is as Delta variant spreads, artists and venues scramble to keep concerts safe. And we have Mm -hmm. talked a little bit about this, but it's not as simple as people think because some, uh, you know, booking agents have certain rules and promoters have certain rules and then the venues have certain rules. And of course, then the artists have certain rules. And so it's, it's going to be a challenge uh, for a while because we all thought we were coming out of the woods. And now uh, in certain states, it's really a problem again. Yeah. And as you said, there's so many different um, <clears throat> different factors depending on where the venue is, mm-hmm. depending on what the artist wants to do. And, and what, you know, if the, the club owner, if, if their states are not requiring masks and the, the band coming in wants to have will not play if if there's no masks well then we have a problem yeah a real problem and i think you know they they, they did mention a, a concert promoter in florida in the article that that said you know listen in my state i um you know i i, I we can't require masks and we can't require proof of vaccination he said and yet artists are saying well then we're not going to play that's right so bands are going to completely skip certain states that are that have what i would consider to be ridiculous rules um yeah and that's unfortunate for everybody you know it's it's um yeah i mean so frustrating dana frank is the uh the ceo and president of first avenue you know that famous club in in minneapolis Minneapolis, yeah. yeah and she said you know i I, I never thought that we would, you know, never ever thought that we would do that, meaning that, you know, um, be looking at vaccination or, you know, test mandates or rules. You know, her club announced on August 2nd that effective immediately, all attendees will be required to provide proof of full COVID-19 vaccination or negative test results before walking in the door. And, you know, I'm seeing more and more of that where venues are saying, look, you don't you don't have to get vaccinated, but you need to show proof that you have tested negative. Right, right. By the way, the 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 the, the guy in Florida I was mentioning the, the the section from this article says keeping indoor shows safe will be substantially harder in the dozen plus states that now prohibit business owners from requiring their customers to show proof of vaccination, thanks to the efforts of right-wing politicians like Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. That's a major issue for national touring acts who don't want to perform for unvaccinated crowds and for venue owners like Tom DeGeorge, owner of the 400-seat capacity Crowbar Club Mm -hmm. in Tampa. I haven't had a touring artist since March of last year, DeGeorge says. Now that tours are starting to ramp up again, all of a sudden agents are coming to me saying, hey, listen, this band wants to come, but they want to know can you do vax checks at your place? And I'm having to tell them legally no, because my governor is telling me I'm not allowed to. And so, you know, what a dilemma for a club owner who has already suffered and somehow managed to hang on. And that's in Florida, right? Florida. And then you look at New York, you know, this week, New York became the first major locality in the country to require proof of vaccination for indoor activities including concerts you know quote this this is the whole ball game everyone you know that's from uh, new york mayor bill de blasio um we will fight the delta variant and we will ultimately beat covid um but here's the problem you've got florida with those rules you've got new york mm-hmm. with these rules you've got los yep. angeles in the area where we live um it's so inconsistent I can't imagine how difficult it is to route a tour, to uh, tour manage a tour, Mm -hmm. to be the artist going from city to city with different rules and regulations, and we're all just trying to stay safe, 
right? And it's going to be much more challenging than we thought, I think partially because we thought we were coming down that hill. We thought things were mm-hmm. were going to be pretty good right about now, and we're ramping back up in many states, and that's scary. It's super scary, and just... Oh, well, it's, 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 it's depressing is what it is. Yeah. And yeah, you know, there are going to be more variants behind the Delta variant. I've been reading about the Lambda variant. Um, um, you know, this is going to be an issue and I, I, I don't understand the logic for, there's certainly some people that can't get vaccinated. Right. But, um, yeah. And we're learning more, right, Mike? I mean, Mm -hmm. the initial findings of the vaccine where you, you couldn't get it, you couldn't transmit it. You know, uh, if you were once you've had the vaccine, yeah. You once you get COVID, once you either yeah. had the virus or you had the vaccine, you know, you were good to go. And and according to this article, you know, that seemed pretty magical, and that's how we went on. But it became clear that vaccinated people were still getting COVID and could transmit, and that changed the game. So it's like the rules of the game are being changed as we're playing it. And we need to respond to that. And we're in, you know, without getting in t- too deep into politics, I mean, we live in such a divided nation that now it's become weaponized and it's more about uh, winning and being blue versus red. And this, sh- we live in the same planet, the same community. We're the same people. This should not be a political thing. This should be a human thing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's, um, yeah, we just have to stay safe. And we need to do everything we can do to stay safe. And I hope everyone does the right thing. I was going to ask you, do you think people will actually get vaccinated in order to go to a show? And I know that sounds really crazy, but in this article, you know, they mentioned that there were, you know, these friends tried to convince another friend, you know, showing him data about the science and, and actually, the guy came back and said, "You know what? I have tickets for four shows at First Avenue in the fall. I'm just going to get vaccinated." You know, that's. And they said that was the result they were hoping for. And I read that, wondering, is that an anomaly? Do you think they're because we're so divided and polarized? You know, could you be convinced to get vaccinated just to go see your favorite artist? I don't know. I do. I think you would. And I also think it's funny because I. Um, uh, a person who I've worked with over the years uh, is has a husband who's a contractor, and one of his clients is a large condominium complex, and he is Johnny anti-vax guy. I'm not getting vaccination. <laughs> well, the, uh, the 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 condominium complex told him, "Hey, by the way, we're requiring all of our employees to have be vaccinated. It's up to you, but if you're not going to get vaccinated, you're not working here anymore." Guess what he did the next day? Uh, went and got vaccinated. Yeah. Exactly. So I think there's going to be, I, th- I think what we will be seeing actually is a little bit more strong armed, you know, because I think, I, I, you know, listen, I, to be honest, I, th- I think um, the, the vaccinated side of the world has been fairly um, kind to those that don't want to get vaccinated. I think there's going to be a little bit more strong armed um, more of a backlash leverage applied. Yeah. To, to make to encourage people encourage with a capital E um, to to get it done and to to apply pressure to do that because you know whether it's financial pressure or whatever um, I think you're gonna see that you know you're seeing teachers unions start to kind of force the issue and things like that so yeah. we'll see to be continued to be continued <laughs> yes exactly right well let's talk about let me moving down my list because we kind of move things around a little bit oh this yeah this, the, the the dima article yes. very interesting yeah for very those who don't know dima is the digital media association and th- this has all kind of come about about the music modernization act and the mlc mm-hmm. and if you haven't uh, dug into that just google um uh, the Music Modernization Act. You know, it's our music business has been the same for so many years, and finally, there've been some some upgrades and some changes, and you need to stay up on all of that. And the the president and CEO of DEMA is this gentleman uh, Garrett Levin, and uh, I had Garrett on the Music Biz Weekly podcast, as I mentioned. Super smart guy. And really looks at the data, really understands the the music uh, business uh, climate. Uh, highly encourage you. This this particular piece um, was on Medium, um, and he wrote it uh, and put it on Medium. And he talks about some uh, research 
um, that they've been doing about how we discover music in 2021. And I find this really exciting because, you know, music discovery is the lifeblood of the music industry. And when you and I were growing up, it was a different uh, platform. It was a different world. You know, we heard things on the radio. We maybe read things in Circus, Hit Parader, Rolling Stone, Cream, whatever. Um, but there weren't, you know, there wasn't the internet. There wasn't these streaming platforms, those types of things. And maybe once in a while you'd go see your favorite artist and there'd be an opening band and you'd go, oh, well, they're kind of cool, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, music discovery has evolved and changed so much. And that's why I really dig this report um, that they put together um, with Music Watch and uh, A2IM. Yeah, and it's like everything, you know, when you when you start to go, you forget how much has changed until you, or at least I, I, I not that I forget, but you know, you, you kind of forget to take it into context, how much things have changed over the last, call it two decades, really. Um, but when when they when they when you kind of start to look at at the data again, and and another thing, by the way, that was lovely, very well laid out, yeah. just in terms of the graphics. <laughs> oh, you and I appreciate I'm always that. Stunned. You know, oh, totally. It's like, oh, it's so much easier to understand. Yeah, good um, graphics in this. Good graphics. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you know, it's it's uh, you know, so so basically, music streaming, obviously, the most influential discovery source. Um, 30%. Okay. That's, that's a lot, but that's not, I kind of thought it would have been more than that. You still get 11% from broadcast or digital radio, 9% from social media. Word of mouth is 8%. Mm -hmm. Um, I still would have thought any streaming service would, no matter what it is, it would have been higher than 30%. I don't know. That's that number seemed kind of a little low to you. Well, um, I've seen some of these reports and the thing that kind of jumps out at me, the, the percentages are important, but it's also the behavior, you know? Yeah. You know, he talks about that, like, genres that were previously underrepresented, you know, before streaming, mm-hmm. like Latin music, for example, have now exploded. Yeah. And, you know, talented artists with little established backing, you know, early on, like Lil Nas X, you know, Arizona Zervas, AJR, Tones and I, you know, they've broken through and become nationally recognized successes. Fans are listening to more music now than in any time in uh, recorded history. <laughs> They're saying, now, to be fair, this is a survey, and it's a survey of a thousand music listeners across the U.S., so it's not in other territories. But, it, you know, in addition to, you know, those percentages that you point out they they talk about a couple of different type of discoverers and this is what really resonated with me and i'd love to get your thoughts on these two one they call them music explorers right mm-hmm. and then the other one are music comfortable and i think of like you know maybe you get a little bit older you're not discovering as much music anymore that's kind of your music comfortable you kind of know what you like you know they say that you know nearly 60 percent of music listeners are music discoverers and that music explorers, those are listeners who actively spend time, you know, seeking out new music, but others are more music comfortable and they, they list, you know, some, some of the differences between the two, like for music explorers, you know, which is uh, 13% of discoverers, try to keep up, um, invest time <laughs> to seek out new music, right? Um, mm-hmm. Growing portfolio of artists prefer new and latest music interested in up-and-coming artists, go deeper into catalog um, catalog charts, more reflective of their uh, tastes. So I'm kind of this weird hybrid, and I think you are too, where we love our comfort food of what we grew up yes. on. Yes. You know, the, uh, the Beatles and, you know, whatever, Elton John, all of that stuff. And we always love to go back to that. But we both love discovering new music and then, you know, getting on the phone, dude, have you heard that song by so-and-so? Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And what is, what is, you know, what is your number one discovery source? Ooh, um, probably from reading and, and I'm an anomaly because I read so many articles for your morning coffee every week. Mm-hmm. I'll hear someone mention, you know, like Olivia Rodrigo, you know, and I, I this is a while back, but, you know, I didn't watch high school musicals, so I didn't know some of these things. And then so when I hear that something's popping, I'll go listen to it. And, you know, you and I had a conversation about that song, Build a Bitch, and some of those things. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't think I would normally have heard that had I not been reading 
Um, you know, I, I follow some sites really closely, like Music Business Worldwide, for example, and uh, Midia and some of those. And they're so good at kind of pointing out trends and things that are um, hopping. So I would say just from reading stuff. But um, the other one is from streaming. What I love about streaming is the discovery, like, for example, let's take Spotify just for an example. Um, Discover Weekly, Release Radar, you know, those types of things. I think they're amazing. Pandora is really amazing at, at Discovery as well, looking at what you mm -hmm. listen to and what you like, and then suggesting other things. I love seeing what they're going to, what they're going to serve up. Yeah. I, 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 in the end, end up kind of like you, I, I read about certain things. So I read charts and read things. I mean, obviously what's fantastic now with, with the uh, advent of streaming is the, the, the ability to immediately go and listen to yeah. something you've read about. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's fantastic. Crazy. And you know, that's, it's unbelievable. Um, but I, you know, I still like trusted, um, trusted sources, which is in the, in, from my, in my case, broadcast radio. It's, it, I listen a lot here in Southern California. We've got a great uh, radio station that's broadcast out of Cal State Northridge, KCSN. Mm -hmm. Uh, 88.5, um, fantastic radio station. I learn a lot about new artists from those guys or KCRW here in Los Angeles, the Morning Becomes Eclectic show in the morning. Um, right. And so, you know, but but like but like you, it's 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 a variety of sources. But boy, I tell you, certainly in, in my friends in the music business, um, a lot more adventurous. But yeah. when you go back, when I, when I connect with a lot of my friends from high school or college, I, they they don't they don't branch out. They're, I would think more people are like you though. Um, that I mean, radio is still in all these vehicles, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I mean, radio is ubiquitous. I still think a lot of discovery happens uh, on radio. I have seen in the industry where it used to be that the streaming services would watch and see what was on the different uh, playlists, yeah. and now that's flipped, right? where now yes. radio is looking to see what's streaming. And I thought that was really Absolutely. interesting. And by the way, this, uh, you know, this report is, is, is super cool and definitely checking out. Um, there's also another report in your morning coffee this week that we're not uh, talking about this week. And it's from Chartmetric. It's their six-month mm -hmm. report. Um, there's a link also in your morning coffee to download that PDF for free. And I highly encourage you to uh, take a look at uh, that. And then the other one is from a company... Uh, called Vibrate, um, and the report is called Streaming versus Radio Airplay, and it's super interesting, and you can download those reports for free in your morning coffee this week. Again, fantastic resources. Another great reason why to subscribe to the newsletter because Jay does all the hard work for us. I mean, and in fact, I don't have Jays in my life in other areas, like people doing hard work on my behalf, like Jay does Aww, on the music side of thank things. Thank you. So I... I I need more people in my life working hard for me. Uh, <laughs> but like, it's a great resource and go download those that those PDFs because yeah. it's super, super interesting. Yeah. So up next. Yes. Well, up next is, and we're only gonna just touch on this one. Um, we're not gonna go through it because it really wasn't uh, a print story, it was a video. And I'm just yeah. gonna give you some highlights of it, just because I thought it was really cool. Uh, a little while back, you and I covered this uh, campaign teardown of Justin Bieber by uh, um, Amber Horsber. And, Great article. Yeah. That was fantastic. Yeah. And, and fantastic. Amber, you know, she's a music strategist and consultant. You know, she does deep cuts, if you don't know, which is a blog, newsletter. She has a classes you can take called School of Deep Cuts. Um, I, I talk to Amber from time to time, and I, I really dig her and what she's doing because she's done it. She's not telling people to do things um, based on what she's read. It's based on what she's done, you know. So yes. she's and, mar done and, marketing, yeah. And by the way, you know, going going back to the old music business for a second, I remember always kind of surreptitiously, kind of weaselly, trying to get marketing plans from other companies just to see what the hell they were doing, yeah. Um, and how you know for successful releases, of course. And uh, again, talking about the difference between then and now. To have somebody like Amber break stuff down for yeah. you is like wow. And of course, there's so much more complex now yeah. uh, than anything that we ever did 20 years ago was. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so again, you talk about again about the, the the beauty of the of the resources that are out there right now. Yeah. And this was less the, about that, like the 
Justin Bieber and really a yeah, deeper the- dive. And she did this with this guy, uh, Dan Runcie, who's a founder of Trapital. And you and I have covered mm-hmm. many pieces Trapital on stories, Trapital. Yeah. And for those that don't know, it's a media company that covers hip hop business and strategy. And I uh, really dig the the videos and articles uh, from Dan, uh, one of the best. So you get Amber and you get Dan together to do this Tyler, Tyler the Creator, uh, Call Me If You Get Lost uh, campaign teardown. And I just wanted, you know, since it is a video, um, I just wanted to kind of uh, encourage you to watch it, but just tell you a, a few things that we pulled out of it that we thought were really interesting. One is Amber talks about three ways to sort of rise above the clutter like Tyler, the creator, does. And those three, thi- three things are, number one, be you, but amplified. And I thought mm-hmm. that that was That's perfect. That's a great way, so, Yeah, absolutely. Number two, attach yourself to a wider cultural discourse, or what she's saying is, you know, a cause. And that's really important too, because every release, there has to be a narrative. And what I love about Tyler, the creator, is that each album release campaign that he's done has been unique to itself. Uh, He's not replicating what he did on the last one. He's reaching out, breaking new ground. Completely reinventing the plan, basically. Absolutely. And then the third thing is uh, create a character. And I think, you know, Tyler, the creator, does this. For example, you know, this this new uh, album, Call Me If You Get Lost, he creates this cool kind of jet-setting, you know, character called uh, Tyler Bordelaire. And <laughs> it's it's interesting. You know, Alice Cooper did that back in the day. David Bowie did that back in the day. You know, it's, it's a thing, and it's very effective. So... Um, they, they dive into those unique campaigns, you know, we talked about, but they also talk about brand collaborations, you know, he's done with like McDonald's and Converse. Now, can a new developing artist, you know, land those kind of brand partnerships? Eh, probably not, but it's interesting yeah. to see how the big boys do it. And, you know, he, he released six official music videos and we talk about that release cadence with videos and how it's an always on music industry and it feeds right into that. He released these lyric posters, which I thought were beautiful and really cool, and even engaged in some banter online with people who got lyrics wrong, you know, that sort of thing. (laughs) Who doesn't get lyrics wrong? Yeah, yeah. and then the the last thing I'll mention really quickly is that um, he's very selective about merch more so than any artist yeah, I've ever yeah. seen. And and even during this video, Amber thought that that might have been a miss. Um, because, and I think be, because he has his own clothing brands, I think he has like two mm-hmm. clothing brands that he has, that that could play into that. But anyway, I just wanted to touch base on this video. Uh, I think the world of Amber, you know, Dan uh, Runcy from Trapital, the, these guys are such great people and so experienced and smart. If you're into the world of, of hip-hop, you got to follow uh, Trapital. Trapital, yeah. yeah. Great resource, a great resource. And a very interesting record. And by the way, and of course, he also did old school stuff on that release, including billboards. Not not Billboard magazine, but yeah. like billboards like on the side of the road. <laughs> so, you know, but but an interesting twist. Yeah. So so do check it out. It's, it's very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Super creative. I mean, just super creative. Yeah. And, but boy, he spent some dough. Boy, that you know, when you start doing billboards on the side, yeah, of the they're highway, not a, they're not cheap. We we've no. done a few of those in in our days, and look for the right for the right release, it makes sense. Um, uh, my my friend and client Doc McGee always says it's big because we say it's big, and I think what he's saying there is you know perception's reality, and when you see billboards and you see these things, it there's that perception. This is larger than life. This is. This is a thing. You got to pay attention. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. All right, let's jump in over at back to Rolling Stone. We had was it three articles in Rolling Stone this this wow. week, I think. Uh, yeah. So this is from Tim Ingham, who we've also seen lots of articles from in the past. Uh, this is the article: Spotify needs to fix its stalling user growth. The music streaming service didn't delight investors with its latest quarterly financial results. Yeah. But still has a chance to return to its roots of innovation, yeah. originality before it's too late. This is such a great piece, and and it was written by Ting, Tim Ingham, who we talk about often here. He's the founder of Music Business Worldwide, which is one of our mm. all-time favorite sources for Absolutely. music news. And and Tim, you know, he's, he's the founder, and he's clearly writing for Rolling Stone as well. 
And this is a, a fantastic piece because we've been talking about these quarterly, you know, this uh, Q2 results as, as they come out. And we talked about it a little bit last week. Um, but what I love about Tim is he digs down into the numbers to kind of tell you a little bit about what they, what they mean. So, you know, for example, he's saying that Spotify is not having a great time. The streaming service faced a punishing reaction to Wall Street following its second quarter results last month. You know, Spotify share price fell 5.7% in one day, wiping out 2.5 billion off the market cap of the company in a few short hours. So on reflection, this market reaction was a touch harsh, he says. Um, Spotify gained 7 million premium subscribers globally in Q2, right? Which was nearly five times the amount of net subscribers uh, that Netflix Netflix reported for the same quarter and only a whisker away from the 8 million subs Spotify added, you know, for the same quarter in 2020. So, you know, it's even though these numbers aren't horrendous, they they kind of got spanked financially for it and he kind of goes in there and and digs into why. <laughs> he said, but the stink bomb mm-hmm. amongst the roses of Spotify's Q2 results <laughs> was that the company's total monthly active user, that's the MAU count, including paying and ad-supported users, climbed up by just $9 million from Q1, falling short of Spotify's own expectations. Spotify is now 365 million active users wor- worldwide. Eck himself has admitted he's disappointed by this number, which represents significantly slowed down quarterly growth. Mm-hmm. But you just hit it. You know, the this is, um, yeah, stink bomb. These are expectations from the company yeah. and from analysts. I mean, I think that 9 million, you know, new users is phenomenal today, but what do I yeah. know? You know, the, the bottom line is if they expect more than that and they don't get the number they expect, then there's disappointment, hence the uh, the fall in the stock a little bit. Right. And they mention here, or Tim mentions, in a further damage, a danger sign for Spotify shareholders, the platform's non-paying user base, i.e. the ad-supported users, grew by just 2 million people in Q2 versus Q1. Such statistics will be enough for Spotify watchers to ask an important question of the management team. You've just invested around a billion dollars in podcasting. Now what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> now what? Well, he says there are three moves, right? Now what? Here yeah. are the three moves for the now what, you know, that Tim is, is yeah. suggesting, right? The first one, refocus on distribution to snatch the label's throne. Spotify continues to push a mission statement of, quote, giving a million artists the opportunity to live off their art, end quote. But that ain't going to happen. Um, so... He talks about how Daniel X stated that his company is all about moving from 8 million to 50 million creators. And that's interesting because we're not talking about songs there. We're talking about uh, creators. Artists. And those, yeah, yeah, and those creators bring over an audience uh, of their own. So, you know, Spotify currently has 365 million active users. Wow. Um, if it had 50 million creators on the platform and each one of those creators brought an average audience of eight people to Spotify tomorrow, its active user count would easily top 400 million. So that's what they're talking about. But in a world where, in a world where, <laughs> where you have, um, where you have, what's the number again? 70,000 a day tracks being yeah. added. Yeah. 70,000 tracks a day. Is that realistic to exp- now? Even though to 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 bring over an average of eight people seems very low, we also know that of those seventy thousand tracks being added every day, some will, many, most will bring zero users. So, is that a number that's realistic? I mean, Daniel Eck think, I, I, thinks it is. Um, well, I'm sure he does. You know, <laughs> I'm sure he does. I don't know that fifty million creators is a good thing necessarily. Um, I mean, it's a great thing for them in, in, in the way he's spinning the yarn, but, you know, there's just so much music. So they, I mean, what's, what's the, what's, I always ask you what, because I always forget the name of the website. Where, oh, where Forgotify. Can, Forgotify. That's what it is. That's right. <laughs> you can go listen to, to a track that has never been streamed by anybody yeah, ever. You can be the first. And there's, you, there's millions. Um, yeah. Mm, well, we'll see. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just don't know. I guess that's what Well, I think, had. you know, Daniel Eck thinks so. And, and I would say that it's good to have gold. <laughs> you know, right. in 2020, major record companies plus Indie Collective Merlin collect 78% of all streams on Spotify. 78%. Right. That's a big, That's number, a big number, you know, but it was down from 87% in 2017. 
So that means that this influx of tens of millions of independent artists to Spotify, you know, that's going to undoubtedly, undoubtedly accelerate this uh, dilution of this shared power and thus loosen up the major stronghold on the services. Because the only way you can get music on Spotify is via third-party distributors or, you know, mm -hmm. a, a label. You can't upload it directly. You know, Spotify experimented with that back in 2018, but they shut it down in less than a year. And, you know, Tim asked the question in this article, why did Spotify scrap its move into distribution? possibly because it underestimated the cost and resources required to manage an influx of a million tracks a month. And I would argue that that number is actually double that, that that's uh, 2 million tracks a month. Yeah, that, that requires lots of cost, lots of resources. That's a total pain in the butt. So I'm surprised they, they, they didn't know that ahead of time. Did they? Did they? I could have told them that. You know, it's like <laughs> they didn't call you. Just, just they didn't call me. I know he must have lost my number again, uh -huh. Daniel. Um, yeah, well, Daniel, I think my they brother. will going forward. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so that it says yeah. if the major share of Spotify's total listening continues to reduce, and Spotify does indeed attract fifty million creators onto its platform, it would be mad not to take further fuller advantage of a direct relationship mm. with said creators. Maybe. For one thing, there's serious cash to be made from the subsequent data harvest, as proven by DistroKid recently inking a deal to effectively sell Republic Records insider analytics on its hottest unsigned artists. Well, let's pause for there a second there, because that is really important. There's serious cash yeah. to be made from the subsequent data, data harvest. harvest. Let's be honest with each other. A lot of the value of a lot of platforms and companies is the data. You know, that's mm -hmm. that's a lot of what's the value of Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. A lot of, of that value is is data. So I just wanted to put an exclamation point on what you were just talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It says, speaking of DistroKid, Spotify acquired a minority stake in the U.S.-based TuneCore rival in late 2018. We haven't heard much about this part, this part ownership from either party since. If Spotify does reconsider its distribution capabilities down the line, don't be shocked if a full acquisition plays out. Yeah, and so that's really important. You know, that's uh, number one of those three things that Tim uh, Ingham uh, was mentioning. Number two is finally grasp the live music opportunity. Spotify has unique first-party data that we were talking about on its 365 million active users worldwide. It knows the artists they love, the artists they're starting to love, the artists they'll probably love tomorrow. In a, mm -hmm. you know, in, in a marketplace where recorded music uh, listening often, though not always, correlates with ticket purchases for live shows, this data is hugely valuable. Again with the data. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Spotify could make decent money charging artists and outside companies for access to this data, but the whole but the bolder move would be for Spotify to mold itself into a ticketing vendor uh, plus maybe a merch vendor that can take advantage of truly unique and truly global audience insights. And boy, that is Get out the highlight pen for that. Yeah, one. I can. You actually have it in your hand. I, I do because uh, I've told you many times. My my old boss, uh, God rest his soul, Henry Droz, used to mm -hmm. say, "Jay, it's not about the money. It's about the money because That's it's right. always about the money." And I would revise that today to be, Mike, it's not about the data. It's about it's about the data. The data. That's right. Absolutely. Uh, it mentioned here there was some evidence that Spotify was on this path back in 2017 when its then head of global creator services, Troy Carter, revealed that his employer had sold some $40 million worth of tickets direct to fans that year via Spotify's Fan First program. Fans First saw Spotify give the most hardcore streaming fans of certain artists unique opportunities to get close to them, whether that was a front row tickets to see Interpol in Mexico or afternoon tea with Casey Musgraves in London. This forward-thinking initiative from Spotify since appears to have been mothballed. Uh, as let, me, let, me, let me interject right there, just really yes. quickly. Uh, fans First is still around. Um, okay. It's really down to two things now. It's, okay. it's merch. And yeah. it's tickets, and right. it's by invitation. So you can pitch through your distributor oh, to Spotify. Right. It's still at, it's still alive and well, and they're still doing some uh, really wonderful things with uh, fans first. Just wanted to interject that. Interesting. Quick. Okay, no, no. Well, that's that's very interesting. So. Um, Let's see. It says on the subject of ticketing, Spotify's site now 
uh, baldly states, we don't handle purchasing for pre-sale ticket offers, so it's best to contact the companies responsible. But will it be reborn sometimes? Uh, it doesn't look like Eck is interested in that. But, you know, again, you, when, you, when you lay it out like that, you kind of go, hmm, why not? Yeah. Why not? Yeah, why not? That's where the audience is. And then the third thing, which is to a lesser degree, but interesting because it's near and dear to my heart, is stake a claim in the massive market of audiobooks. You know, as yeah. you and I talk about frequently, I go for a five-mile walk every morning when it's still dark out, and that's my time to really listen to audiobooks listen to podcasts and it's you know i started doing it over the pandemic and now i can't even imagine getting up and not doing it but i have really gotten into audiobooks because it's so hard for me these days to find the time to actually you know unless i'm on a plane to uh to read a book so case in point in may spotify partnered with storytell a leading audiobook library service to allow the company's subscribers to listen to their libraries within spotify i thought that was genius this was evidence of spotify dipping its toe in the lucrative growing market that it could yet corner with a more aggressive game plan yeah, well, and when you talk about the numbers, according to the U.S.-based Audio Publishers Association, audiobook revenue in the U.S. alone rose to $1.3 billion in 2020, what? a 12% year-on-year on year rise. Some 71,000 audiobooks were published in the U.S. in 2020, which was up 39% over 2019. Uh, Scale-wise, this is nothing to intimidate Spotify, where, where over, of course, 60 or now 70,000 music tracks are being uploaded every day. So it's serious cash there. And do you ever even listen, on the production do you ever side, listen to uh, audiobooks? You know, I don't. Let me, let I me love, tell you just a little tip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A Go lot ahead. of these audiobooks are the author reading them. Not all, yes. but some of them. Yes. Um, and when you find those books, um, sadly, uh, Walter D. Yetnikoff just uh, recently passed away. Um, listen yeah. to his audiobook. It's him reading okay. his. Oh, I can I can imagine that. Great. Yeah, and I know the Steve Lukather one from Toto. He wrote a book, and he he does it. it and again, yeah. But I've also heard, and I'm not going to mention the artist because we're both big fans of this artist. But they read their audiobook, and it wasn't great. Yeah, um, they're not always good. I I no. listened to the uh, John Lydon book. And it mm-hmm. wasn't John Lydon. From the Sex Pistols. Right. Yeah, Johnny yeah. Rotten. Yeah. It wasn't him, yeah. but it was a British guy who had that snarky, you know, uh, it was awesome. Uh, I highly recommend uh, uh, that audiobook. And you and I could talk for hours on, on these different audiobooks. But if you don't have the time to read, um, and listen, audiobooks aren't for everyone. Um, I know people who just can't, they get distracted, you know, and, and they yeah. lose their place or whatever. That's, that's kind of me. You know, yeah. but they're, they're yeah. cool when you're driving. I got a book by one of my clients uh, a couple of years ago, and I wanted to get through it fast, but I was working and traveling. So I would read the physical book at night before I went to bed. And then as I was commuting, I would listen to the audio version of it. And what I oh. learned from that is there are little smart-ass little jokes and things that you don't get in text that you get when you hear the person yes. say it. So That's it's not right. a bad That's way right. to to read a book. No, and, and I've, I've done over the years a lot of work with book publishers in various radio things. And um, what they will tell you too is that <clears throat> The people that are the, the good VO people, the good people that do that voice audiobooks that aren't the authors, they themselves have a following oftentimes. And so people will search out That's right. books, even though they weren't necessarily interested in that book from they, they they get it because they know the guy who's gonna be reading the book and and they're fans of that. So it's an interesting world and, and I it 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 has really gotten so huge over the last few years yeah. and it's yeah, it's wonderful. And that's, a, again, another... And I was going to also tell you, I, we also have a mutual friend who is working on Atmos versions of ah, audiobooks. Very cool. Yeah, which is another interesting frontier. Yeah. But the production values of audiobooks has gone up exponentially. Oh, yes. Yeah, they, they used to be um, um, not very good, and now they sound uh, amazing, Fantastic. and sometimes they have music. I was li- listening. I had actually read this book on the Beatles uh, by this guy uh, Spitz, and it was phenomenal. And the thing, um, I got it on an audiobook because I was taking some long trips and for the plane to listen to. And the thing that was missing is kind of what you did with the podcast last week with Nancy is when they started talking about a certain era 
like the cavern or they were talking about you know ed sullivan or whatever how cool would it have been to just underneath that a little bit be able to hear a little snippet and kudos to you for those who haven't listened to the nancy wilson uh uh, episode. It's our artist spotlight for our one year anniversary. It came out last week. You know, we're going to do those from time to time, just as little gifts, little nuggets uh, for you. I hope you, hopefully, you find them interesting. I can't speak today, um, but I loved how Mike went through there, and you're, we start talking about you know crazy on you and the intro to that, and it drops in. Man, mm-hmm. that was kudos. Music makes it, yes. Well, it, was, it, was, it was fun to do that. So anyway, well, good, interesting stuff on Spotify. Yep. And um, well, you know, it's it's just in a, in a few weeks, we'll have the next quarter thing doing, you know, report, and we'll see what the hell's going yeah. on with them. Yeah. Um, Get those free reports in your morning coffee, people. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So as we wrap this episode up, Jay, we do need to thank... How about TiVo Music yeah. Metadata, our latest sponsor? Super great folks and wonderful products. And again, we're going to be talking about those in the future. Banzoogle, of course, mm-hmm. huge, huge uh, supporters of ours. Hypebot and Bands in Town. Boy, we sure appreciate everything that all of our sponsors do. They rock our they world, sure do. to say the least. Second only to the folks that listen to our show. <laughs> and without them, without you, listener, we couldn't do this and we wouldn't do this. So we thank you uh, all the time. Thank you, thank you. And rightly so, because we appreciate yes, we it. Do. And thanks for, for co- constant comments and letting us know how we're doing and uh, letting us know what you what you like and maybe if there are things you'd like to hear. So we, uh, we, we really appreciate that as well. So on that note, Jay, let us wrap up episode number 53 of the Your Morning Coffee podcast. Thank you everyone for listening in. We'll be back next week. We'll see you then. You've been listening to Your Morning Coffee, the weekly music news program for the new music business. Join Jay Gilbert and Mike Etchard next time for the digital music news you need to know.